with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne special afterbirth edition. This is Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne, and I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that we can call this the afterbirth edition. No, it's the special afterbirth edition. There's nothing special about afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it's a it's a special night. Uh, and why is tonight more special than any other night? Well, one. Rebirth came out this week, and we wanted to talk to you about it sooner rather than later, so we're recording right now on Thursday night, the night right after New Comic Book Day, Uh, and you also have the added feature of last week's show did not actually record, so uh, (laughs) Paul and I wanted to get something out sooner rather than later. Yeah, there is that, and it's a holiday weekend, so you have three days to listen to this shit. Last week's show didn't record, huh? Hey, surprise, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sure did not record. Uh, And, you know, we we did some troubleshooting and found out that while we updated our Skype, we needed to update our Skype recorder uh, to be compatible with the new Skype. But uh, I think Paul's recorded like 10 seconds and mine recorded just my audio. (laughs) Yeah. And it is recording now, right? It is recording now, and we tested it earlier this week. Yes. So. Yes. So I think we're, we're good. So if yeah, you're fun, listening fun. to this, we're good. <laughs> if it's another empty week, you won't know anything other than, man, those guys are some lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, or are we agents of Hydra? Well, you know, that would be ridiculous, Paul. That oh. would be ridiculous. Because I mean, you and I, you and I, now Wayne... Wayne could certainly be an agent of Hydra. I mean, he is a ginger after all. But uh, you and I, I mean, you know, we're 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 as as American as apple pie. We're as American as baseball. Paul, you and me, we're as American as Captain America. You know, I, I wouldn't put it past me, but we've all been around for so long, almost as long as Captain America even. What? No. I, I, Maybe I, Aaron. Yeah, fuck yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So this week, uh, so I'm going to preface this by saying none of us read. <laughs> so look, by all means, let's review the book we did not read. So Steve Rogers, Captain America number one, uh, came out from Marvel. Uh, to much controversy and media and death threats to the author. Um, <laughs> and then that's not an exaggeration uh, because it was revealed in the book, and I shouldn't say revealed in the book. There, the the storyline um, seems to imply that Steve Rogers has been a Hydra agent this entire time, um, and that he is, you know, working for the the Nazi. And uh, that was the big cliffhanger at the end of the book. And um, it, it is it has caused much controversy because apparently people don't realize that they're reading comic, <laughs> and that it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, um, I it's. I, I was reading an article about some of the death threats that uh, Nick Spencer is getting on, you know, social media and stuff, and it's it 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 just blows my mind that people would react so harshly to something like that. Like if if I read a Superman comic book and you know it showed that Superman was in fact I don't know a, a Russian spy or something like that this entire time. No, he's actually General Zod. Yeah. Oh yeah, See, that or, would he be was the actually thing. the son of Zod this entire time. Right. I yeah. mean, it's it's a story. You know, it it's it's it, you know that's a twist that's going to be undone by the end of the story and we'll be back to status quo. Right. Um, you know, it, it it is so obviously the the name of the book is is Steve Rogers Captain America. 
I'm pretty <laughs> sure Steve Rogers is not an agent of Hydra. Yeah. Well, and, you know, given that, you know, that movie of his made quite a bit of money. Yeah. If people find out he's secretly a Nazi, not going to make quite so much money on the fourth Captain America movie. <laughs> and did you see Chris Evans <laughs> tweeted about it, too? <laughs> no, what he, he just he just put Hydra hashtag say it ain't so. <laughs> it's just it's it's um quite frankly it's a it's a twist that I think is kind of stupid anyway. Um, uh-huh. I, I was not planning on picking up the book, especially since I read that um after Civil War two Marvel is going to be doing a line wide reboot um you know of number ones called Marvel now, uh so they're reusing that name, but. You know, I don't know that I need to hop into a new number one when we're going to have a new number one in about seven months. Right. So. Yeah. And my other reasoning is it's a four ninety nine book. I thought about it, but it was four ninety nine. Yeah, but we and, did read a five ninety nine book, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Well, and I'm fine with four ninety nine books occasionally, but on a week when you know DC books are all like two ninety nine. Not all of them. Not all. Of them. Not all there's of them. That, no. There's that one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, with Captain America, and I love Captain America. Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes. I just think it takes the right writer to get him (laughs) to get him right. The right writer to get him right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, as much as I've enjoyed some of Nick Spencer's stuff, there there was nothing about this uh, this current arc that really was pulling me. If Rick Remender did the big Scroogey when he wrote the book, I just don't know exactly who the the current writer that I'd want to see on that Captain America book would be. You know, the, the definitive writer for Captain America for me has already done the book and has already done the definitive the definitive series. Brubaker? That's Ed Brubaker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Ed Ed Brubaker killed it, and I mean he's. I just don't think you can come back and, and do better than that. And I mean, you know, people will try and but I've had my definitive run. I don't need another I don't need another Captain America book. I completely agree with you, Aaron, but I'm surprised. I thought you were going to go with something a lot older. Like, I don't know, something from before I was born when you were reading. Oh, my uh, God. We're, we're on the age jokes. I'm sorry I opened that door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we wanted to, to give Marvel a little bit of, of, of love, even though we didn't read their book. Um, because... <laughs> and that was love? That was love? Uh, you know, it was it was attention. I wouldn't call it love. It's kind of like when the dog barked at the Paul, table. You, you did, Paul. You called it love. You I said, did. we're going to give Marvel a little... I'm just going to... I'm holding you accountable, y'all. Well, I think we're going to call it love, but we know what it is. Okay. All there's, right. re- there's really no a genuine affection there. It's really just pretend. Love hurts, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, but I, I would love Doctor Strange, but I didn't get a chance to read it. But it did come out this week. I didn't even notice that. I was so blinded by all the awesome things that came out over at DC. I did not even notice that uh, Doctor Strange came out. I'll have to go back and pick that up. But hey, before we do that, before we talk about that, let's talk about the other awesome thing that happened this week. What's that? Comixology Unlimited happened this week. And I'm hearing crickets. You heard crickets. That's what you heard. (laughs) Oh, because I was muted and I was talking to. Okay. Aaron, I am really excited to hear what you have to say about it because I'm looking at it and I just merged my Amazon account with my uh, Comixology so I can try it. But I want to see what are you what is it actually like? So it is. So, Wayne, you enjoy the Comixology guided view, right? Yep. And that's if you remember a while back, we tried the Marvel unlimited subscription thing and I ended up canceling it because. While they had a view, it wasn't guided view. Yeah, the the one cannot overstate the importance 
electronic reading experience. Marvel Unlimited, uh, their digital archive uh, that you online and on your iPad and other tablet devices, um, has a viewing a, 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 a comic reading guided mode. Uh, that is nothing at all like the wonder and excitement provided by the Comixology technology. So Comixology came out with its digital uh, subscription service, which provides unlimited reading within certain books in their archive, uh, featuring participating publishers such as Dark Horse, IDW, um, uh, Fantagraphics, Image, a lot of image books, um, and what the essentially what I what I'm noticing they're doing is that they're doing the early volumes of the titles provided by those publishers. So it's not every single thing, and it's not even things that are like maybe four months old uh, or older, but you know things that have been out there for a couple of years. And it is an extensive uh, archive and library. So uh, all the early Hellboy stuff, all the early BPRD stuff, all the early Age Sapien stuff, Dark Horse, uh, the Aliens books, the uh, one of my favorite things out there from Fantagraphics is the Complete Peanuts, the Charlie Brown books, which are the uh, daily strips all the way starting back from 1950 forward. And they've got the first five volumes of that. And if you were to go out and buy that, you're spending somewhere around 40 or $50 per hardback. Um, and so the $5.99 a month is worth it right there for me because I just love looking at Charles Schultz's early pencils and pens. I, they're, they're just stunning. Um, anyway, there's a ton of stuff out there. And one of the one of the great things that the Comixology Unlimited app allows you to do is you can download the book to your to your device. So if you're traveling or something and don't have uh, Wi-Fi access, you've got that ability to download. Now, back when I was doing Marvel Unlimited, you were limited to 12 downloads a month. As far as I can tell, or 12 downloads at a time, as far as I can tell, it's unlimited downloads. So did anyone know that this was dropping before Tuesday? No, sir. Because I, I say I did, and I went out to buy my regular Tuesday books, and I saw the ad, and I'm like, wow, where did this come from? Yeah. In fact, I got a, I got a uh, text from Andrew saying, hey, have you checked this out yet? And that was the first I'd heard of it. Of course, I have been, I have been social media dark and news site dark since Tuesday because you know they were dropping uh, – uh, rebirth at midnight Tuesday, and I didn't want any spoilers. And there were spoilers out on the internet over the weekend, so I was avoiding all of that stuff. But I got to tell you, you know, with the publishers that are participating right now, again, Fantagraphics, Image, uh, Dark Horse, uh, IDW, and others, there's a ton of stuff out there to read. Uh, I think Dynamite. you really get and Dynamite. That's right. There's a ton of stuff out there to read, and I think you really do get your value out of that five ninety nine a month. And here's the thing. I, I am so happy with what's there at five ninety nine. If you had a publisher like DC and DC, please listen to this when I say it. I would be happy to pay an additional fee to have access to the DC uh, vault. Uh, I would love to see old Silver Age stuff. I'd love to see stuff that's uh, pre and post crisis stuff that's pre Flashpoint. I would love, love, love to see the DC stuff, and I'd be happy to throw out a couple of extra dollars a month to pay for that. So I, I, I am hopeful that uh, DC hears that. I'm with you on that. I, I yeah. you know, I want that new God stuff digitally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, not pirated. I want it. Yeah, you know, no, you want the guided view. view. I mean, you could. Let's be honest. 
on on New Comic Book Day, you can go out to any number of pirate sites and you can download a shittily scanned PDF of uh, of uh, today's comics. You can even get a high res scan of today's comics easy enough on, on the pirate sites, but you don't get the guided view. And I would much rather have the guided view. We are provided press copies all the time from certain publishers. And if it's a book I intended to read anyway, I go ahead and buy it because I prefer the guided view. That's how much the guided view means to me. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely same here. What I would really love to read, you know, some of the old stuff. I want to see Marvel get some of their stuff on here, particularly the what ifs. And like the 90s X-Men books. Well, and I've, you know, I have bought a lot of that stuff, you know, on the 99 cent sales that Comixology has. But I've been doing that, too. But, I, man, I just I would love to have the DC stuff in there. And I, I'm not complaining. I like what's there already. Uh, there's a ton of stuff there. Like, I, you know, the 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 Buffy season, you know, eight stuff and beyond. I only read like the first volume or two of that. Well, most of that stuff's out there. I'm like, great. This, I mean, there's a stuff there that that I have not read and have been genuinely interested in. Um, there's a ton of Star Trek comics out there. Um, there it looks I mean, like all... there's a lot of the transformer stuff too. Yeah. And, and I've G. enjoyed G. some of their transformers comics. Cool. I just, there's so many of them that it just gets overwhelming. But if I can read a couple volumes for free, well, for five ninety nine. Right. Yeah. No, I do want to say the only thing that I wish they would do, and I'm not, this is not a complaint, but the, the free trial is only seven days. I wish it was a month. Um, you know, and, and I saw that as well. And I also saw something that said, start your 30-day trial. But I noticed that my trial was seven days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. But I went ahead. I'm just like, I'm doing this. I, I, I will at least do it for the first month. Well, and the know? best one of the best things about it is you can get – you, you uh, basically can shop the Comixology Unlimited Library in your app. Right. You know, we talked about in-app purchases – Yep. Uh, you know, going away when Comixology was purchased by Amazon. I uh, still know nothing about that because I still do my in-app purchases. Uh, that's true. It's an Apple thing. But, you know, now they have, uh, you know, they have the in-app purchases for unlimited, or I shouldn't say purchases, in-app download. And it's just very, very convenient. Yeah, it's it's awesome is what it is. It's just awesome. Oh, yeah, a couple of the companies that we didn't mention, and I'm just glancing through, there's a bunch of Archie stuff on here, like the yep. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yep. I see some Valiant stuff on here from the new Valiant relaunches. There's every issue of Lock and Key. Yep. Highly recommend checking that out. No, there's all kinds of good stuff out there. I mean, I, I, if you like comics and you like reading them on your iPad or on your other tablet device, it, this is a no-brainer. I mean, you just got to do this. Yep. This thing, I just, I love it. It's exactly what I've been hoping for since Comixology came around the first time. Well, so, and one thing I think is cool on here that you guys could care less about, there's a whole section of manga in it as well. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't speak to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys wouldn't care about it at all, but there is a, uh, there's a book I've wanted to read that I just haven't been willing to pay ten ninety nine for, but I'll click the borrow button. There you go. Oh, wow. Look well, at that. I, Every issue of Savage Dragon. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. No, it's 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 crazy what's out there. And it's a holiday weekend. So I may I may spend my seven days uh, <laughs> over this holiday weekend reading some some uh, Savage Dragon Atomic Robos on here. I yep. mean, we could go through the list on here. Um, but point is, uh, Comixology Unlimited, you can go to Comixology.com right now and check it out. Or if you have the app, just click the Discover button and it'll um, you know show you how to sign up. 
It's pretty wild. It's been, it's a big damn week in comics. It big is. Big damn week in comics. And, you know, in the episode that you won't get to hear, you and Wayne Paul said, we're going to read Scooby-Doo. And I'm like, God damn it. Fine. I'll get Scooby-Doo too. I agreed to read it because you two said you were reading it. Paul told me you were reading it. <laughs> Paul so this is all Paul's wants. fault. Why is it Paul's so, fault? You're welcome. Well, and I got to tell you, the book was fucking fantastic. I, I, seriously. I, yeah. I, I, you guys book seriously was, like this book? Yeah. Oh, my God. This book was fantastic. I, I mean, I did like hated it. it. I hated really? it so bad. Oh, my God. I, I hated I everything book. about it. Okay. So, Wayne, tell us what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to you guys and bought this book. So talk to me about why you didn't like Scooby okay. Apocalypse number one. So before we actually before we, we hear your opinion, <laughs> no, uh, before we get into our review of this book, Scooby Apocalypse number one is the the start of the whole. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Future Quest was uh, which you didn't yeah, get to hear this... our review, but we loved it. Um, so Scooby Apocalypse is the second book in the Hanna-Barbera reboot that DC is doing. This one's written by Jim Lee and Keith Giffen and jmd mateus so it's got a pretty stellar writing crew yeah it's a pretty fucking tight crew and uh howard porter uh does the pencils and inks all right wayne so wayne did not care for this book let's find out why okay so to be fair even though i said i didn't like anything about it there there are a few things that i did i had i didn't have any problem with the artwork i don't like their designs but that's not an artwork problem that's just a design problem but from a story standpoint I was expecting the characters that we already know that have known each other for years to just be put into an apocalypse. And that definitely wasn't what happened since this is flashing back and giving their first meeting and they're all adults and very different characters. I don't like the idea that Scooby is a genetically modified dog. I mean, it makes sense if you're trying to make this more realistic, I guess, but... It's Scooby-Doo. You don't need to make it more realistic. So so all those things that Wayne just complained about, I, I kind of loved. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I lo- I, the thing was, I just couldn't like any of the characters. And that's what really killed it for me is Scooby-Doo is a, a, usually it's weak stories, but fun characters. So and, when, when we talked about the uh, covers that were uh, teased several months back – and we looked at that uh, Jim Lee cover. That's the the primary cover for for this book, and it has uh, uh, Daphne. I'm not Daphne. Uh, Velma. Velma. Looking like a little girl. And we were, you know, I was like, oh, this looks terrible. I mean, you know, they they completely missed the boat on what makes Velma wonderful. Well, that was just a cover interpretation. Uh, Velma is very much a young woman in this book. Uh, you know, even Shaggy comments, kind of hot. Um, you know, I, I, I so the the I don't think you, you can judge the book by the cover artwork that was that was distributed. Um, and I yeah. lo- I loved all the variant covers. Yeah, I was very glad that that cover was not what she actually looked like, because yeah. I, re- I remember being bothered by that. And she looks just fine in the book. 
Um, I, I loved all the variant covers. I thought they were all great. And, you know, Wayne was complaining. He didn't like that, you know, uh, it's a reboot, essentially. He did not care for the fact that the old TV adventures didn't occur. Their old TV relationships didn't exist. They meet each other for the first time in the pages of this book. And I like that. I like that it is very much, you know, trying to uh, make this a world that we could live in with Scooby-Doo and the and, and the Scooby crew. Uh, I, I I, I I was very entertained by this book. I, I was very entertained by every single one of the characters. Shaggy, Velma, uh, Daphne, Scooby. Uh, I just I got a kick out of all these characters. And I got to tell you, I even had a laugh out loud moment when uh, the, <laughs> they're, he's, they're at the Burning Man knockoff festival. I think they called them the uh, Baked Men, Baked Man Festival, whatever it was. Um, they're at the Burning Man Festival and they're ordering a pizza and it's all organic, vegetarian, gluten-free, etc. And Scooby says, Rook! <laughs> I, I kind of cracked up about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't like the, uh, the book, Wayne. I, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I, I, I significantly enjoyed this book. Um, for me, you know, they, they still publish the regular scooby-doo book so you still get your regular yeah. scooby but this, oh and i won't be reading those yeah but this was i mean this was a reboot it's a it's a reimagining of of scooby-doo in this modern setting and in this different environment um and I, I enjoyed it and i think the core concept of most of the characters was similar enough um but different enough to still to, to not be derivative given that we've seen hundreds of scooby stories um, See, but close enough I, that I got guys, the characterization. So for me, Shaggy was basically the uh, the character from Jurassic Park, uh, from Jurassic World. How the so? uh, the raptor oh, trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Chris Pratt. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he was basically Chris Pratt's character, only a little bit more of uh, only shaggier. A, yeah, a little shaggier, but very pretty much the same character, except instead of being a raptor trainer, he's a professional dog trainer. Yeah, I'm okay with that though. <laughs> I mean, I I, I I understand why you didn't care for it. And I I, I, I don't I, I just for me the things that you didn't like in it are the things I did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's completely fair. Because I said I like the art and I did think the art was good. I just didn't like the character designs. My dislike of it has nothing to do with it being a bad story or a bad book. It's just I hated it. And it's <laughs> I am I am willing to acknowledge that this is a case of not for me. Right. There are some things where I can argue that, you know, it's just bad, like Grant Morrison's writing. I'm not going to try to argue that with this. This is just a case of I read it and I know that it's not for me at all. Well, I love the hell out of it and I'm down for issue two. I am too. Now, I will say so out of the we're two for two on this Hanna-Barbera stuff. Future Quest was freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, this book is I, I enjoyed and I'm definitely picking up the second issue. I'm not on board for Wacky Raceland. Yeah, it's not um, my thing. Unless I hear it's an excellent book, I'm not on board for it. Um, and Flintstones, I'm on the fence about. I'm going to give it an issue. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm kind of curious about the Flintstones just based on the cover. But as we saw here, the cover doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I mean, the Amanda Connor cover and designs are, are great, but... That's not the artist on the book, so I'm a little... The, the reason... Uh, that's the reason I'm on the fence with the Flintstones. But we'll see. That book comes out in July. I'll see how things look a little closer to time. But DC, like we said, had a huge week. Huge week. Scooby Apocalypse. Um, and 
this is pretty th- this week pretty much ended the new 52 and started the era of DC rebirth and uh, some where we read all the key books ending one universe and beginning the other and we wanted to kind of talk about them in I almost want to say reading order even though it's not really that way um, yeah. but let's go ahead and start with Superman Lois and Clark number eight uh, from Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks we have praised the series since issue one and you know this is very much leading up to this Superman being the Superman of the rebirth era of DC comics. Yeah. This Superman being the Superman. Uh, and I, I, I was a little taken out, uh, you know, because this Superman and this Lois and their son, John have been involved in the final days of Superman storyline. So it was a little startling to sit, to have this book open up, outside of that continuity, you know, because the, the stuff that happens on these pages is out of sync with, uh, what happens over in the final days of Superman. Right. Hello. Yeah. 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 We, yeah I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm listening to you. Okay. Well, and it's not just the stuff that came out this week. What happened in this book hap- has to have happened before. Yeah. Like, before that whole story. Book. Right. Yeah. yeah but, it, it happened well before. Um, and so that was that, it took me a little bit to kind of find my groove on it, but I found the ending to this book to be very satisfying. I found the artwork to be uh, terrifically satisfying, but I found the end to be satisfying knowing that this story is not over. If this was just the end of the story, you know, uh, I think I would have been a little cheesed about that. Yeah, I'm with you uh, on that because – but yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I thought that, you know, the, the last page was great. Um, but it, I, I gotta tell you, I don't feel like this is the last issue of the story that Dan Jurgens originally planned. You See, know, I, I felt disagree. like I think this was the last issue, but it doesn't, I, I think it wasn't this, when he started writing the series, it was not intended to be, lead into DC Rebirth. And that's how right. it reads to me. It reads like it has nothing to do with any of that. Right. No, and that's what I'm saying. Is I, I don't feel like this was – I feel like this story was designed to happen. I don't think that it was designed to have this be where the whole series ends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. It felt, it, it felt like – I mean this is certainly an end to this part of the story. But, you know, it feels like he's telling a bigger story with multiple arcs and you would expect that to continue except that story is going to continue elsewhere. So one thing I have to say this series did very well with, when I look at the series from beginning to end, I could make an argument, a case, for this book being about any one of the main three characters. Mm -hmm. Lois has her arc beginning to end that wraps up. Clark has his arc beginning to end that wraps up. And Jonathan has his arc that where he progresses and his story wraps up. This could be the story about any of them, you know, but it is... That, that family story of all of them together. Yeah. And I really appreciated that, that, you know, none of the subplots seemed to go nowhere. None of the subplots seemed to just be dropped. They were all important stories for the growth of one of the three. And that's why you get Dan Jurgens on a Superman book. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, I, the, the artwork was great. I, I thought Lee Weeks was particularly inspired on several panels. Uh, I thought Superman looked as heroic and iconic uh, as you would ever want him to look, uh, despite the fact that he's not wearing the traditional red and blue. Yeah. You know, he's wearing his, his, his black costume, uh, but he looks amazing on the panel. 
you know, and he looks like and, and Superman. I mean, he, he looks does. like our Superman beard and all. He looks like Superman. And um, the cover, the cover is, you know, just an amazing cover. I felt I loved the cover of this book. Oh, yeah. Where uh, John's looking down into the, yeah. into the case and taking out the cape. Yeah. And yeah. the cape's almost glowing. Right. Yeah. No, it's a great cover. It's a great cover. This is a great book. It was a great story. And, you know. We have sung the praises of this book since issue one. You know, we sat there when we were reading Convergence where these characters appeared again. And, you know, we, we were we were thrilled by, it. oh, God, well, this is the book we want. And it's the book they gave us. Um, I, I That's what's so thrilling about this is that this is what we've been asking for. And this is what we got. And this is what we're going to continue to receive. I, I find that super exciting. Yeah, I love the moment when he's, when Jonathan is given the costume that he used to wear and his reaction, the reaction of a little boy of you wore a cape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I particularly, it was a great choice that Lee Weeks made in that panel where he ties it around his neck and it's not even, you yeah. know, it's the, the S is hanging off to the side and, I mean, it's exactly the way a little boy. He wouldn't think about how it's going to look behind him. He's just got to get put that fucking cape on, right? And I just I loved how, how that how that is drawn and depicted. And you know, because he is such a little kid, I I, I thoroughly dug this book. I, I, I and I I can't wait for more stories about these characters. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to end up reading a book with Damian Wayne just because he's in there with uh, <laughs> with Jonathan. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually very much looking forward to that book. So over in the pages of Superman number 52, we said goodbye to a Superman. So, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the final days of Superman, uh, the, the, an eight part series. And in fact, we had someone reach out to us on Twitter asking if we felt that he needed to read this and um, read this, and I think it was Superman, Lois, and Clark going into Rebirth. And I said, and I said, yeah, I, th I said I, I think it would be useful. Um, and I still do feel like this storyline and Lois and Clark are useful going into Rebirth and and having an appreciation of the Superman that we're going to get post Rebirth. Yeah, but the, the final days of Superman, even though it has all been written by Pete Tomasi, has been relatively uneven. Um, yeah, and I well. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and I and and though I've enjoyed it as a, as as a whole, and though I actually even enjoyed the ending to a certain extent, I feel like it didn't have the emotional resonance that it needed to. Um, and maybe it's just that I'm not connected to the Superman, but I don't think that's it. I th I think the the oh, uh, it's called the final days of Superman. I'm not really saying anything. Um, you know, his his death sequence was very lackluster for uh, me. I I really dislike the body basically evaporating. I think that takes away so much of the impact of the story. Anytime that the body just disintegrates, you lose, you know, you lose something for the emotional impact. So, Aaron, what, what, what were your thoughts on this book? Well, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, I think part of the problem with this book is that Superman's fighting a villain you just don't care about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's been fighting this villain for eight issues and we haven't cared about this villain for eight issues. Um, he's a manufactured villain for this story. We've never seen this guy ever before. Um, 
he the character's genesis comes from the ridiculous Superman power of his little supernova vision effect that causes his powers to go away. Uh, and so this thing is created by that by a Chinese. I'm going to go ahead and go out there and call her a supervillain, even though she's a hero of the Chinese people. Uh, and I just I think that the I think the story I, I think the 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 creation of this character kind of sucked. And I think yes. that you could have you could have used a character from Superman's Rogue Gallery that doesn't have to kill him because Superman's already dying at the beginning of the story, right? There could have just been something that he's chasing down that he's, he feels like he's got to take care of before he dies. Because this whole story, these eight issues, is him saying goodbye to everybody and making arrangements. And so what you get is you spend most of this last issue of this Superman – and, you know, the beginning of this story arc was the first time any of us have liked this character, right? You know, we've all said, hey, you know, this this guy's acting kind of Superman-y. He hasn't exactly. done that previously, right? So, you know, we, we, we've enjoyed the character through these eight books. And I think there – you know, I told – Tony Mast is the, the fellow on Twitter who asked us about this book. And, you know, I said, I said yeah, I think, that, I think that it is worth a worthwhile read because it's full of feels, Right. I, I think more than anything else, forget about the, the story, the plot, the drama. I think that the emotion of the book from from issue one all the way through the end is what sells this story, uh, because you do. I, one of the things that we really enjoyed or a couple of us really enjoyed was the relationship between Superman and Wonder Woman. And it's sad. I mean, it, with with him dying and with the the our, our old Superman coming back to to you know be the Superman of the DC universe, um, that relationship's gone. You know, so I think that it is appropriate that we got to mourn what, that relationship here in these pages. I know I'm going to miss that. I enjoyed those stories. Well, and so, the, uh, one of the final moments they had together. I, th- that was the most touching piece of the book for me. Yeah. Where she basically yeah, tells him it's okay to let go. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think those panels are really sweet. You know, uh, I, I think those those moments are great. I think that, you know, there is as as nice as the artwork is in this book, there are there is at least one panel that is is so oddly drawn. All I could think of was ambiguously gay duo from Saturday Night Live. There is a scene where uh the new 52 Superman is trying to fly the bad guy up into space. So he's got him in a bear hug. Right. And then he, but he doesn't have the power to get him up into space. So Superman from the old universe, beard Superman, uh, comes up and flies and grabs new 52 Superman around the waist to fly the other two guys up. So they're making a super villain sandwich, but, Beard Superman's kind of hugging uh, New Fifty Two Superman at crotch level. It's just an ass level for the uh, for the for the super villain. It's just a little weird. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. looking at that panel so, now. I disliked that uh, the artwork for that, but uh-huh. I loved that moment where he shows up and because uh, you know I'm cheering for our Superman who just showed up to uh, to help and the line in there of uh, New New Fifty Two Superman asks them who are you. And his only answer is a friend. Right. I geeked out out of, over that line. And then the uh, a couple pages later, there's a piece of artwork that I would love to have, like on a poster. And that's the, you know, the old Superman landing, holding New 52 Superman, where he's just saved him. 
and you've got like Batman and Wonder Woman and Supergirl all in the back. Right. I think that's an incredible piece of artwork. Oh, no, it really is. It really is. I, I think in the whole that the story is worthwhile. I think the story, you know, gives some, some nice emotional closure uh, to the to the stories that have occurred through the new 52. You know uh, what I think would have made it better, Aaron? What's that? If instead of this villain they just manufactured, they would have taken Ulysses and made yeah. him the villain. Yeah. Because that would have tied up new 52 Superman. Yeah. It's you know, someone that was a big impact in his book. And how about letting that villain be the one that he has that last fight with? Completely agree. Yeah, agreed. Completely agree. And, and you know, for me, they, they have this wonderful, glorious two-page spread of the explosion uh, between Superman and the bad guy. You know, he, 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 he didn't even really have much of a name. Um and and then the, you know he Wayne he was he was not Superman he was not Superman <laughs> that's what I was thinking too <laughs> well and then you know you had this this uh, full page spread of like uh, Wayne mentioned New Fifty Two Superman being carried in by pre Flashpoint Superman but his death sequence is just in a panel right. like when he actually dies it's just in a panel and you know you think about when 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 our Superman died when Doomsday and and our Superman you know fought to the death. There was that two-page spread of, and I think it was a fold-out, uh, so it was even more than two pages of Lois holding Superman's body with the the you know oh, yeah. the, the cape flying in the background. Yeah, yeah. You know that 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 had an, an emotional weight to it, and I feel like they they missed an opportunity for that uh, here. And I think they really you know threw away an opportunity with the body disintegrating because I think the there's body, a reason for that. Yeah, I'm sure there's agree. a reason for it, and I think. But I think the body disintegrating leads you to the – for me, I look at the body disintegrating. It's like, okay, well, the character's not there. He's not really a real character. He's about to be replaced anyway. Well, and it feels to me like, you know, there there's your out for uh, uh, bringing him back at some point if you want to. Yeah. Whereas I think a, a more powerful death is a definitive like you had in, in the 90s where he's dead. This is his body. He is dead, 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 D-E-D, dead, you know? Uh I, so I do think they kind of weakened the ending there. Yeah, and the Superman and uh, Lois conversation in the original Death of Superman was much more powerful than the Wonder Woman conversation. I do like this conversation. I think it does have some real emotional weight to it. But the conversation with Lois in the original one, I just remember that so strongly. And you kind of got the impression that if she didn't tell him that Doomsday was down, he's going to find a way to get back up. Right. Yeah. Because he has to. Right. You know, and so the final days of Superman, eight issues. Ultimately, I thought a successful story. I know I'm being hard on the ending, but that's because, um, quite frankly, DC released five major books this week. And, uh, you know, there, there, there's there's a bit of a comparison there, um, especially yeah. when we when we start talking about my favorite uh, of the bunch. But overall, I enjoyed the story. I do recommend picking it up. It is it is a proper closure on New Fifty Two Superman um, and setting the stage for for pre Flashpoint Superman to to come back. But before you get there, before you get there, uh, like I said, we, we aren't necessarily talking about these in chronological order. But um, you know, Justice League number fifty features uh, New Fifty Two Superman in one of his last adventures. Uh, you know, and it is the conclusion of Jeff Johns' Dark Side War this week. Uh, you know, had two huge Jeff Johns written books between Justice League and Rebirth, the last DC books he's going to be writing for a while as he moves into his new role in the company. We have, 
you know, had uneven experiences with the Dark Side War, um, mostly due to the length of the story. You know, at, at 10 issues plus a couple of tie-ins, it's been a bit lengthy. Um, they've mm-hmm. changed artists. But we are back with Jason Fabok, who we all loved, um, you know, when he started on the Justice League book. Jeff Johns. This is a five ninety nine book. Yeah. Ouch. Um, but that being said, it is also a 50-page book. Yes. That's now, why you guys were complaining about a five ninety nine book, because I'm like, all my DC books are two ninety nine. Oh, well, you didn't read this book? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I haven't read Justice League, so it would have been out of. It wouldn't have made any sense for me to just pick up the one issue. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it doesn't make much sense if you pick up this issue and have read the other uh, the other issues. So, uh, Paul, how terrible is that uh, John Romita Jr. cover? <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking it's not that bad. Oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's certainly um, it's not bad because it came free. I guess <laughs> it's it's cer- it's it's basically what I expect from him lately. It, it is. It reminds me of the way I used to draw back in junior high, where I had a certain amount of space on the page, but I wanted to cram in all of these characters, and so I just crushed them into the panel. Right which is what he's done here. I mean, everybody is just crushed into position, uh, you know, running off to battle. And I, I think that the way Superman is drawn on this cover is supposed to be telling because he's not looking ahead. He's kind of got that, you know, 200-mile uh, stare. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I think, yeah, I'm going to not... There's really no reason for you to pay attention here since I'm going to be dead soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be dead anyway. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you guys. Fuck me, I'm dead. But, uh, <laughs> God, the cover is just terrible. Just okay. terrible. Go ahead. Okay, so it sounds like you... Well, under this John Romita Jr. cover, it sounds like you really didn't care for this final issue of Dark Side War. I think that when it all comes... When, when I look at Dark Side War as one story piece, I think that it suffers from the fact that it's too long, that it spends too much time in one place. Uh, this... This battleground that they're on just really has no character. I really loved it when they were on Apocalypse. That was the part of the story that I super enjoyed. Um, But, you know, if you look at the set pieces, it's just ruins that they're in. That they've Uh, been in for about seven issues now. (laughs) Forever. For fucking ever. I mean, I just I just hate it. The whole the the thing that happens with, uh, you know, evil universe Lois Lane. Mm hmm is just weird. Um, I, I felt like Jeff Johns is pulling all the tricks out of his hat through this whole, through this whole last issue. Um, and I felt like very few of them landed. So for me, I felt like too much. I agree with everything you said. Um, I did still enjoy this issue, but I would enjoy it a lot more. I think if I went back and read everything as, as one cohesive piece. And I think Dark Side War suffered from the scheduling and uh, from decompressed storytelling because I think it could have been six issues. Um, yeah. I think so freaking much happened in this issue. I mean, so much. Three issues minimum worth of stuff happened in this one issue. But there were long issues of nothing but fight sequences leading up to it. Yeah. You know, they, they, they could have trimmed some of the fat out of the storyline so that we're not getting... I mean, so much happens in this issue. I, I felt like I feel like I need to reread it because I don't even know that I understood everything that happened in this issue. Uh, well, you know, characters yeah. died, characters were reborn. You know, thing people. I mean, Dark Side came back to life, and then as a baby, not, as a baby, as a baby. 
I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm reading that. I'm like, well, Paul can't be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was badass when he came back as Dark Side slash Anti Life Equation Dark Side. Right. But then, then that went away. Yeah. Um, for me, my favorite part of the Dark Side of this final issue of Dark Side War was the epilogue. Um, so after the main well, battle has happened, and let me, but let me just say before you before you move into epilogue, yeah. The the epilogue seems like the whole point for the fucking book. Yes. Right. I mean, you we're talking about a fifty-page book that when it gets to the epilogue, um, I mean, well, and even the pages in advance of the epilogue, because the epilogue, you know, if the the title to epilogue is two pages long, but I think you're talking about the pages involving Wonder Woman, the pages involving Batman and Green Lantern, the page involving. Yeah, I'm basically Lex talking Luthor. as soon as Darkseid's taken down. Yeah. So, you know, because there's really there's kind of like the unstated epilogue and then there's the real epilogue. Yeah. And I, th- and I think you're right. I mean, I think the whole point of the, the entire storyline, the entire gigantic Dark Side War event was to get to those pages yeah. as opposed to the, po- the point of the story being the story itself. I find that frustrating. I don't disagree. Um, yeah. You know, I, but that, for me, that goes to the whole point of jamming too much in, you know, to, to this storyline. I, I am very excited where this book left off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very, you know, the the, the new Green Lantern, um, you know, Mister Miracle being so, on Earth. So let's do this. Why don't we uh, start from? Are you are you in the book right now, Paul? Yes. Okay. Spoilers. Yes. Why don't we start from New Green Lantern, and then just kind of move through and, and talk about what those are? So uh, the. Everybody remember Power Ring, right? Am I getting that name right? It's yes, Power, Power Ring. Ring. Right? Jessica Cruz. Yeah, Jessica Cruz, which is Power Ring, which was essentially a fear ring, which fed on the fear, not of the fear created by the ring bear, but the fear of the ring bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tormenting the ring bear and all that kind of fun th- thing. Well, she winds up sacrificing herself to save, uh, gosh, I forget who now. Uh, it was Flash. Yeah, that's right. Flash uh, to save uh, Flash from the uh, Black Rider. Black Rider. Yes. You help me. You got to help me out with some of these names. So she she sacrifices herself and, you know, it looks like she's dead. But then we find out that, no, she's not the one who died. It's Volthoom, which is the name of the, the, the entity that resides within the ring. So it freed her from this ring that she's been a prisoner of. And so all of a sudden, here comes a new Green Lantern ring saying, you know, you have the power to overcome great fear. You're the new you're you're a new Green Lantern, which begs the question. Why does Earth need another Green Lantern? Um, which they actually ask in the book. It's not answered in the book, but they actually ask that question in the book. So that's who she is. Because in another book we'll talk about later, she was in there. I had yeah. no idea who this character was, but I think she, I like her costume and I I think she looks interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think she's an interesting character. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree, and I uh, will come. We'll we'll talk more about her after we talk about rebirth. So that's you get that one. So new character origin, right? New character origin here on the on on just some of the last pages of Dark Side War. Paul, talk to us about Scott Free. Um, so Big Barda has, uh, or just Barda, has gone back to the Furies. She made a deal with them to save Scott Free, uh, but Scott Free is on Earth, in and they've not announced a Mister Miracle book as part of Rebirth. But God damn, I hope there's one. Yeah. Um, I, I I loved Scott Free in this series more in the first half than the second half before. Yeah. I mean, the series got a bit convoluted, but 
his introduction and the way yeah. Jeff Johns wrote him in that first half of Dark Side War was just amazing. There were some fantastic standout moments with Mr. Miracle. Um, and I agree. I, I think he I think he his character where he was featured just sung. I yeah. just thought, I thought it sung just hit perfect notes, pitch perfect. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, uh, Barda has gone back to Apocalypse because of this deal she made with the Furies. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, and then we have Dark Side Baby. Yeah, yeah. With his with mother his, Grail. With, yeah, with his mother Grail, who has decided she's not going to raise him like her mom raised her, because her mom raised her to defeat Dark Side. So she's not going to raise baby Dark Side to grow up and defeat Dark Side. Uh, but of course, baby Dark Side, you know, seems kind of evil for a baby. Yeah. He's got an evil Dark Side baby face. Yeah, he's got evil dark side baby face, and I'm sorry, those look like Omega beams uh, smoldering in his eyes. I think that's gonna, that's going to end badly for everyone. Yes, I'm. I'm you know, I, I'm not unhappy with that resolution of the storyline because I know what you know. He'll he'll grow up fast. <laughs> um, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He's a grown boy. Uh-huh. I will say one of my favorite pieces of the epilogue was uh, the Lex Luthor. Yeah, that was interesting. So when uh, when all of the Justice League got their god powers, Lex Luthor became the god of Apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of our story, Lex has returned to Apocalypse wearing his, I guess, is it Apocalypse Forged War Armor that he's wearing? I believe so. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's stamping around in that, and, they're, and they are building his, uh, his uh, uh, shield— for his, you know, his 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 sigil, I guess I should say, for yeah. his suit, and he has adopted the Superman sigil, which you know has just got to piss Superman off, doesn't it? Yeah, sitting <laughs> atop his throne. Uh, uh-huh. you know, it, That's okay. We'll piss him off, log. Yeah, and 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 the and the mother box instead of pinging is it seems to say Lex, 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 Lex. I like that. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Um, you know, Lex Luthor, basically a new ruler of apocalypse, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so in the Batcave in Gotham, mm-hmm. uh, we have a scene between Hal and Batman. And, you know, Batman had been consumed by uh, the all the information that was available to him while he was occupying the Mobius chair. And, uh, you know, he had asked one question in particular, and that question was, what's the Joker's name? And the Mobius chair responded, well, there are three Jokers, which this is bothering uh, Batman because, you know, that can't be. But apparently there are three. Yeah, I thought that was I think that's an interesting twist. And that that plays into more in Rebirth. It does. So we could talk about it a little bit more when we get to Rebirth. Uh huh. Um, And so. And so uh, we find out that Wonder Woman uh, was not an only child. She has a twin brother born at the same time, and as as twins are, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but nobody knows what happened to her twin brother, and that's apparently going to be a big deal. Another but his voice. name is Jason. Yeah, yeah, his name is Jason, they say. And I'm like, like, you know. Red Hood, Jason. I thought for a second that, but I mean that doesn't make any sense. So, and then of course at the at the very end of the book we catch up with uh, Owlman and Metron, 
And, uh, you know, Owlman had taken over the Mobius chair after Batman hopped out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he he is of the mind that, uh, you know, he's his brain's much bigger than Batman. Fuck that Batman. He's got a tiny brain compared to my gigantic fucking owl brain. And uh, (laughs) and uh, that apparently didn't work out quite so well for Owlman or or uh, Metron. Yeah. Yeah. That all seemed that all seemed bad. Well, but, I don't, uh, it's not the chair that. Uh, so I'm I'm, I'm going to throw out a spoiler here. Okay. Because it's a pretty big fucking spoiler. Uh huh. And it's a spoiler for Rebirth as well. Well, why don't we why don't we talk about that when we get over to Rebirth? Okay. Then, then these characters are are basically are obliterated by someone who is revealed to be a uh, a, a, a I guess a driving villain villainous force in Rebirth. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah. So that leads us to the, the big release. The eighty pages. The so big sorry. fucking book. Yes. The big ball fucking book. It's gigantic. <laughs> gigantic. Gigantic. Um, it's huge. It's huge. And it's huge. huge. And it's only two ninety nine. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. It's a huge two ninety nine book. Um, featuring you know written by Jeff Johns and featuring art by Gary Frank, Ethan Van Skyver, Ivan Rice, Phil Jimenez. Um, just a superstar creative team working on this book that uh, launches the new era of DC. And guys, I fucking loved this book. Yeah, no, this, this book was art, was art, a high art. Uh, I, I, yeah, the, the, the art on the pages, the, the illustrations uh, were fantastic. The storytelling was fantastic. And now Paul, I know I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to tell the, the ending. Okay, but I just want to talk about the 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 effect of it. I did, I wasn't spoiled going into this. I knew not a goddamn thing mm-hmm. going in. Oh, this. see, I I was. I had read the spoilers ahead of time, so I I had I not. So when I got to the big telling pages at the end, I mean, literally, you could have seen a, an atom bomb over the top of my head because you know a mushroom cloud explosion. Because mind fucking blown. I mean, for me, I, having not been spoiled at all on this book, uh, I, it blew my mind. Are, are we really Came not going to spoil this book? I mean, it's been a couple No, no, no. Oh, I want to spoil we it. Will, but let's hold that off till the end. Okay. Yeah. So let's move through the book in a more linear fashion. All right. So this book is okay. broken out into five pieces, four pieces, four pieces and an epilogue. So I think that'll that's a good way to start with it. So chapter one. Um, is lost, and f- so it features the return of a, a beloved character, beloved, beloved Paul. I mean, my favorite Flash. Yeah, Wally West. Yeah, from from pre Flashpoint, uh, is basically caught in you know in between universes, trying to find his tether to reality. Iris, I'm sorry, Linda Park. Um, but in the meantime, he he is cert- he is kind of hopping around the current DC universe, and he starts with Batman, who's dealing with the fallout of 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 this three Joker thing. Um, so, and and let me stop here. So, at the very end of Justice League, right, Batman is saying, "God, there's three fucking Jokers, right?" And he's struggling with that. Time passes. Now, I know for us, it was the same day. They both came out on the same day. But in the New 52, a whole lot of time has passed since the Dark Side War and the beginning of Rebirth. You had a whole, you had just many things that have occurred in that space of time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Batman is just as consumed as if only a page or two had passed. 
<laughs> I mean, that was my only complaint about it is, I mean, he is he is as single mindedly obsessed with it as he was at the end of the book. I mean, you know, there there is not a beat skipped. I don't have any problem with that because it's Joker. And when he has a free moment and he's not doing something else, don't you think that's going to take his every thought because it's Joker? If it were another villain, maybe not. But I I just would have liked to have seen some sort of transition like, well, I just got back from that island where I saved my son's life and, you know, yada, 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 yada. Or I just finished up with that Court of Owls thing or whatever the hell's going on over in Batman right now. Or, wow, Jim Gordon sure does look weird in that uh, Batman armor. Just to, to demonstrate that there's been some time between those two stories. That's what I would have liked to have seen. I just needed the panel. That's all I needed. Well, you didn't get it. I know. You're right. You're right. And so thanks a lot, DC. You screwed me again. <laughs> I, for but me, it didn't bug in me. In seriousness, thank you, DC, for giving this, us this book at two ninety nine. And Marvel, would you please pay attention and start your <laughs> events off with a cheap book? Yeah. So Wally West pops up into the Batcave um, and very... Uh, important moment for Bruce. He says, hey, um, that note that Barry gave you that you seem to have forgotten about, you, you, maybe you should maybe you should relook at that. Uh, basically, trying to he's trying to spark Batman's memory um, as to the world that came before. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what, what what's revealed, and I don't remember if it's in this chapter, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, um, but it's revealed that someone has removed years. Ten years. Ten years. From this timeline, they have not only removed ten years from this timeline; they've made them forgotten, forget things. They've made the characters forget things. Like the world has been altered, and Wally West is is trying to get it back to the the place it is, and he's trying to get the characters to remember. Um, and he starts with Batman, and you know, we, we kind of leave them in that moment where Wally is unsuccessful in that moment of getting Batman to remember, and he's pulled back into the Speed Force. And so, you know, Batman is left looking at the note that Barry Allen, the Flash, brought him at the end of Flashpoint, a letter from his from his father, Thomas Wayne, uh, who was the Batman in that Flashpoint universe. And so it's a letter that exists, exists outside of continuity. Uh, you know, that shouldn't exist. You know, it's from somebody who who they reset time who never lived. But here he's got this letter, this artifact from a dimension that never was. Uh, and he's sitting there staring at it as Flash goes back into the speed force. And, uh, you know, we get the the Kid Flash origin story. We get Kid Flash, you know, assuming the mantle of Flash after the crisis and uh, he, you know, kind of talking about his experience after after Flashpoint and then him reaching out to uh, was it Johnny Lightning? Is that right? Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder. Uh, and, you know, who is is, you know, uh, an old man in, the, in a retirement home. And, you know, we find out that he gave up the genie. Right. So, you know, the the, the whimsy, the wonder, the magic is gone from the universe. Is kind of what uh, I, I feel like the point that, that Jeff Johns is trying to make there. Yeah, uh, very um, much so. You know, in fact, that they even specifically say at one point that that someone um, here it is. Uh, a, let's see, heroes that were com- okay, a darkness from somewhere has infected us. It has for a long time now. I think even before the Flashpoint. You know, very, very much Jeff Johns calling 
um, calling comics out, including, you know, I mean, himself, uh, for, right, for, yeah. for embracing the darkness and not the hope that DC, you know, the hope and wonderment that, that DC really is known for, the, like characters, you know, with the characters like Superman and Shazam and, and Flash. Um, so I, I, I liked that moment. And so he, he tells Johnny Thunder to find the Justice Society. Oh, they, and I geeked out about that so much because <laughs> that is bringing them back. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and we know that Jeff Johns has such a uh, soft spot in his heart for the Justice Society. And the League yeah, of the Superheroes because we yeah. see that. You see, um, I'm assuming it's um, Saturn Girl. Saturn Girl. Yeah, that's who, I, that's who I assume it is, by the way. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I love that scene. We're not, yeah. I mean, she could be a couple characters, but it's probably Saturn Girl. Yeah. And I loved seeing not just the ring, but just. Her reaction well superman's dead he'll be back <laughs> yeah we're followed up with ryan Choi and ray palmer um you know it, it, once again um it, an, an, one of the things that jeff john is is trying to bring back into this book is kind of this concept of legacy that was lost with the new 52 right you know by making everyone the first of their kind basically with new 52 jeff johns is reintroducing that legacy so you have ray palmer handing off the reins to Ryan Choi, but at the same time, he's still around and, and he needs him to find him in the microverse. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've, I never really followed Ryan Choi mm -hmm. as, as the Adam, but I've always been a fan of Ray Palmer. Right. Um, and you know, we, we have a mention of his wife, Ray Palmer's wife, Ray Palmer's wife. Yeah. He says, yeah. Um, Who killed Sue Dibney in the pre flashpoint universe. Yeah. Let Jean yeah. know that the alimony check will be late. Tell her I love her. So maybe identity crisis has not occurred. That's that would be my guess. Um, which you know would be an you know it, again would be Jeff Johns kind of removing some of the darker elements of DC past. Even though I do like Identity Crisis. Oh, I love Identity Crisis. It's a great book. But you know you you do get uh, a, a great scene where you know Ray Palmer's like, hey, I need you to come find me. I'm stuck in the microverse. Uh, I left you a a, a, a a shrink belt, so and it's tethered to mine, so you'll be able to come right to me. And oh, there's one last thing. Uh, you know, God, how can I forget? This is extremely important. When you reach the first world of the microverse, you're going to meet someone. They're going to seek you out. Whatever you do, whatever they say, do not prices. That was a, that was a, that was a, a pretty good special uh, sound effect there, Aaron. Uh, and you know, conti continuing on the legacy, we've got Ted Cord working with Jaime Reyes. So we have two Blue Beetles and two Adams. Um, and it's good to see Ted Cord back. I, you know, I don't see him very often. And you know, well, he he doesn't have his little paunch that he had back in the uh, Justice League International, but I can live with it. We've got we've got we got the Beetle there, so uh, you know. And I guess we have two Doctor Fates because this is the original Doctor Fate on these pages. Yeah. yeah. Not the the newly introduced one. And I never really finished off that book, so I don't know what the status yeah, of that character is. Because it was kind of a shitty book. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, you, so you, you're, you're getting those guys grouped in. We do get to see the uh, new Green Lantern, you know, uh, that we talked to, uh, what, uh, Jessica Cruz? Yeah, Jessica Cruz. Yeah, and this was my first view of her, and I really like her costume. And she just, this is the only dialogue I've ever seen of her. Mm -hmm. But I got a kick out of it, that she doesn't want to go deal with the other Green Lantern because he carries a gun. Right. Well, and a lot happens on this page, right? So we have, yeah, no, it's a um, lot going on in that page. We Robin becomes a teen. Um, Damian Wayne turns thirteen. Uh, so right. you know, 
he, he he's ready for the Teen Titan. Um, and you have uh, Jackson, the Aqualad, who who has not been in the New Fifty Two. Um, you know, introduced towards the end of the Flashpoint or pre-Flashpoint universe. You know, in uh, Young Justice and and things like that. And right. Uh, so we've got Aqualad coming back, and then well, hey, and and a little bit gay. And, and I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, <laughs> it's not. Na- his, his, I guess this is his mother who says this. It's not natural what you're uh, what you are, Jackson. He says, you're not talking about what I did at the lake. And she goes, Is swimming like you do. No, I'm talking about the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't shouldn't laugh at that. It's just presented in kind of a comical way. It is. It yeah, is. I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, and so they and then Pandora comes up. Pandora I, kind of being this character who was created for the new 52 for flashpoint and kind of and indicative saw, of the universe as a whole right we saw her introduced in flashpoint as kind of heralding in the this new universe and we saw her in some of the early issues of the new 52 in fact she even had her own yes. series for a while that she I was never in the fit. first issue of every one of the new 52 books yep and so uh we see her you know, uh, pursued, harassed, we don't know by whom, but she is vaporized in the pages of this book. Now, just in a very, very telling way. In a very like, telling if you, way. Yeah. In, yes, in, if you knew the ending when you saw this, it was obvious. Yeah, you know, in, in retrospect, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. But it also, you know, incinerated in much the same fashion as our friends at the end of the Justice League book, uh, Owlman and Metron. Yes. So, uh, you know, anyway, very telling. We'll come back and 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 revisit that towards the end of this story. Um, but moving on, we're back to Kid Flash trying to to uh, you know get back to the world, and he's drawn to Grail and Baby Darkseid, which is you know very exciting, tender motherly moment with uh, and. and can I ask a question? Can we just stop here for just a second? Why does Grail have to be naked with her baby? I do wonder that. Yeah, why Why is it important that Grail be naked with baby Darkseid? Every time. Every time. <laughs> and that is one ugly baby, too. Well, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I don't really understand that. Um, it just yeah, seems... That whole panel, I just was... When I got to it, it's like, why is this even here? Yeah. 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 And so we hop around... You know, uh, to the death of Superman, um, to Green Arrow and Black Canary kind of remembering or, or longing for something that they don't even realize they had. Um, you know, the, the, the Green Arrow, Black Arrow, Black Canary relationship hasn't really happened in the New 52, but they're kind of feeling lost without it. Um, and we've got, you know, we check in on Clark Kent, new or pre-New 52 Clark Kent. In a hotel. And noting that, exactly, I was going to say noting that they're in a hotel because their house was destroyed during that uh, final days of Superman story. In the Siegel Motel. Oh, I didn't catch that. Nice, nice pull, Paul. And uh, Superman is confronted by a character whose name, uh, who who says, call me Mr. Oz, which is not not to put our cards on the table. Another pretty significant hint. Uh-huh. As to where the story is going. Um, I will tell you, they don't help you very much on the uh, coloring of that page. No. Uh, because when you look at it, uh, and we'll talk more about this at the at the end of our, our synopsis, um, the, 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 the way that pa- those panels are colored uh, makes it seem that this is an African-American character. 
or someone of you know a uh, a non-Caucasian ethnicity. Yeah, uh, the he, he seems rather dark complected, and uh, so I mean I it was only after reading the book I came back. I'm like okay, I get that now, but they they. I think they, they played a little fast and loose with the way they colored that page. Yeah, and to and so Mr. Oz, if you read the Jeff Johns John Romita Jr. arc where that with that flash beam thing was introduced with Ulysses, uh, Ulysses mm-hmm. Mr. Oz popped up at the end of that arc. So Jeff Johns has been kind of playing nursing this, yeah, nursing it for a while. Yeah, um, and then we have Aquaman and Mira. And what you see is a lot of Jeff Johns writing some of the things that were undone during the New 52. Uh, you know, Aquaman has now proposed to Mira because their marriage was undone uh, after he left the title. And he's like, well, no, no, I, I really do want them married. So now they're going to get married again. Um, and you have finally Wally West confronts uh, Linda Park of this universe and she does not remember him. And that's a little hard. Oh, yeah. I know. So I'm I'm reading this book. I get to that point and it just tears at me because these are characters that I've been reading for years. Well, this is I, my flash and this is right. the same same here Wayne. Wally is absolutely yeah. my flash. And so and when, she is his life. She always yeah. has been. Well, and she was always his lightning rod. In fact, you know, in the those Speed Force stories, he she was always his anchor to bring him home. Yeah. Yeah. And the one time that when uh, she wasn't enough to bring him home, she just pulls herself along with him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, seeing the just him her say, I don't know you. Yeah. It was it, rough. It was rough. That's what I'm saying. It's rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we see two new characters in Gotham. Um, they're, they, they are rumored to be other characters. And we'll again, we'll talk about that later. So I don't want to jump too, too much into that. But basically, Wally hops around the DC universe. We kind of get current status of Constantine and Swamp Thing and and other characters. Um, you know, the, the current Wally West, where you realize that the the Wally West that is New Fifty Two, the African American Wally West, is a cousin, right? With the, you yeah, know, named I after the really same great grandfather. They explain that, yeah, you know, because yeah. I haven't read any of those when they brought that Wally in, and I like them explaining it and basically setting it up so they can have both characters be in the new. In the universe that comes, I mean, yeah, and be related to each other. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought that was nicely handled to yeah. be able to satisfy both audiences. I thought that was nicely handled. I don't have a problem with that at all. Nope. And then we get to the moment of the book that actually choked me up, which is his, which is Wally and Barry. Yeah. And Wally at this point realizes it it's not working. Right. You know, I'm going to tell you, you've all forgotten things. Talk to Bruce. Um, Thank you for everything. I, I'm I this is it. I'm gone. Every second of my life was a gift. And as he's saying goodbye and fading out of existence, Barry remembers and pulls him out of the speed force into reality. And they just have you know, you see this realization on Barry's face like, How did I forget you? Right. I legitimately have chills looking at these panels, remembering reading it. Yeah. I mean this just so much and, be, and the reason there's so much to this is not just because of the the writing. The writing is incredible. But this is what DC has been missing is this legacy they that they tried to go away from. Yeah. It's knowing the whole history of these characters and having read them for so long that makes those scenes so powerful to me. Well, and you're reading it and you're like, oh, my gosh, we, we 
you know, we had Wally back just to say goodbye to him. And right. it's this heartwarming story and everyone's crying. And then just like this moment of hope and realization with Barry and the hug between them. It's just an amazing uh, sequence. Yeah, well, it's, and what it's, I love about it, too, they they give the whole you disappeared when the Titans disappeared. Mm-hmm. But he remembers the pre-Flashpoint. And he's like, no, no, that's not what happened. But the longer he's in the world, he's already forgetting that stuff. Right. But I like that he has all that memory going in, at least. I don't know how much he'll remember going into the new books, but just that he remembers everything from before. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, there there are there's tons of heart on the page. And, you know, a lot of the way the the story is told panel to panel Reminds me of Crisis on the Infinite Earths, yeah. uh, you know, the 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 way in which the, the the panels are laid out. I mean, it really brought me back to that. And, you know, you had it when you started. It, the, the book is very much an emotional roller coaster. So when you start the book, you're like, fuck, Wally's back. And you're like, yay, Wally's back. And then you're like, you sons of bitches. You're going to give me a little bit of Wally and you're going to take Wally away. And I mean, I genuinely felt like they're going to kill Wally. They brought Wally back just long enough to murder him on the page. And I'm, I'm getting really sad about that. And then, I mean, they bring Wally back. Yeah. And so they brought Wally back. They threatened you and they brought him back again. And I just I, I thought it was beautifully done. And, you know, to see Barry's reaction is just heartbreaking. And I really like that they brought him back without getting rid of the new 52 one. Yeah. Because I know he has fans, this new version. Yeah. I haven't read the book, so I have no opinion on him. But I like that he's still here. I think there's room for both of them in the universe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed those pages. And then we get to the stinger. (laughs) <laughs> where uh, Batman is walking around the cave, um, you know, looking at the Joker card. He's still kind of distraught over this, and he sees this shiny item in the distance, perhaps left there from when the Joker was in his cave during Endgame, um, or maybe just, you know, why is it there, I, is the question. I'm I thinking... think that the re- the reason why it's there is that Alfred sucks at cleaning up. <laughs> well, I think that's why that. There is that. Um, so Batman, you know, goes, picks an item out, and looks at it, and Aaron. So <laughs> I'm reading this. I'm reading this at the office today. And uh, uh, during a lunch break, nobody fire me. Uh, <laughs> I, I am reading this. And so there's this there's yellow glint. And so Batman, you know, gets out some some tools and, you know, starts to, to pick it out of the rock. And it is a yellow smiley face button with a bit of bean juice on it or blood, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh from the the series Watchmen. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly what it is. And I remember re- I, I was just, just well, good, that can't be happening. And then you flip the page. Motherfucker, we flip the page and we're on Mars. And who who do we find on Mars? Dr. Manhattan. You don't see him, but you see him reconstructing his watch, which ties us back to the very first two pages of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story is so artfully told. And the dialogue, Aaron, was from Watchmen as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, this story is so artfully told. It is so loving and respectful, not just of our DC uh, pre-Flashpoint characters, but also of the Watchmen legacy. 
Uh, now, I do love that essentially what Jeff Johns is saying is that Alan Moore is the big bad. Uh, <laughs> essentially. He is, he is the darkness that washes over the, uh, the, the DC universe. So we assume when you go back and you look at those pages where people have been vaporized, that's Dr. Manhattan vaporizing people. He vaporized Pandora. He vaporized Owlman. And he vaporized uh, Metron. And what we see him doing – what we can connect the common thread is that these are people who figured shit out. Yeah. These are people who have asked the wrong questions. They're looking behind the wrong curtains. Uh, and, you know, Dr. Manhattan's just taking care of business. But why is, is Ozymandias there as well? What's yeah, going on? Oz, Ozymandias. Yeah. And yeah. perhaps um, the, the new characters in Gotham, perhaps they're Night Owl and Silk Spectre. Possibly. Um, you know, it, there are so many, like... Wow. I mean, at no point since Watchmen have I ever thought that those characters would be ingrained and that would be integrated into the DC universe. Would be, should be, or could be. I mean, none of those things, there was just a whole separate continuity, right? I mean, it just, it never needed to, to merge with what's going on over here. But, but at least in the pages of Rebirth, it works. Yeah. Well, and part of what works is the characters that are coming over. You know, with Man Dr. Manhattan coming over, the way he left, he left with this idea of maybe I'll create life. Maybe I'll create a universe. And, yeah. you know, he just kind of went off in the the, uh, the original Watchmen. And now to see, well, we don't ever see him in here, but to know that he's been meddling with this universe and that he's the, you know, he took the 10 years away and well, all of this. Well, he may be the one who created the new 52, you know. Yeah, exactly. It really feels like it is the natural growth because he was – the more you read that book, you know, going back to the original Watchmen, he was becoming so disconnected with humanity. He, he kind of got the impression he could end up becoming a huge villain. Mm-hmm. This isn't a surprise that he, out of all characters, would end up you know, being that. So it actually does feel like it kind of grows without saying that that universe happened in the DC universe because – there's nothing to stop a character of his level from jumping universes. Now and they even I rem- say he watched from outside the universe. I remember back when Flashpoint happened and we went over to the New Fifty Two. Uh, I remember Jeff John saying in an interview that you know, yeah, I've got a story in my back pocket about how I would you know reset it all, right? And I wonder if this is that story because it does feel like this has been cooking in his brain for a really long time. It doesn't feel like somebody, somebody said, God, we got to do something about this new 52 travesty. It feels so organic. Uh, and that I, and I know that it's that really what well I'm trying to be a rush job. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think what I'm really trying to say is Jeff Johns, you are the motherfucker because you, he, he has done a masterful job telling this story. I am amazed at the ability that he had to pull this off. So many, so many comic companies and comic writers and creative teams try to do what they so artfully did. And really, I mean, I have one minor complaint. Batman was a little too focused on something that happened months ago. <laughs> that's my complaint on this book. Uh, and that's just me being a dipshit. Uh, I, I, this book is amazing. And this book is amazing, and it does it does one of the things that so few comics do anymore. It bears rereading. Yeah, I, I, I you you two ninety nine. They are giving you this book for two ninety nine, giving it to you. It really, is. you should write it. You should write a check and send send DC some additional money because this was a gift. 
Yeah, I'm it's not going to be doing nice. that. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to be rereading it again because the book was so good. And I said, a big part of it for me is that everything that I felt has been wrong with the New 52. I can point to specific things that bother me about it. Yeah. One of them was the loss of hope, that everything got, seemed to get darker, that nobody trusted anybody. And some of that happened before the New 52. Too, even the loss of these legacy characters that I love so much. Because when I started reading comics, these original characters you know, the original uh, Ali, the original uh, Barry Allen, Hal Jordan none of them were around when I started reading them, reading DC. And all of my legacy characters that I like so much, most of them had disappeared. And it's like everything that really I can point to and say, this is what I missed about the pre New 52 they're able to deal with and break down into what was it, four simple words, hope, love, loyalty, or hope, love, and legacy. Maybe three words covers it. Math is hard. And I, Yeah, I feel like that's coming back to the DC universe. And it has me pumped and excited in a way I haven't been for a comic book universe in quite a while at this point, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Good job, DC. I mean... Damn straight. Really good job. Damn straight. So it's... There were very few of the Rebirth titles that I was super excited about. And, Paul, did I interrupt you? Did you was there something you wanted to add? I think I was actually going to talk, say the exact same thing you were. So you go first. So there were very few of the Rebirth titles that I was excited about. I was certainly excited about the Superman books. But, you know, given what we read here and seeing that Wally West is going to feature prominently in the pages of Titans, uh, I will be picking up Titans number one, and I did not realize it until just now, or maybe I'd just forgotten it, but Dan Abnett is doing the writing on that book, and I'm a huge Dan Abnett fan. Dan Abnett uh, fan. I was, uh, see, I was already going to pick up number one for Nightwing, but now that I know I get Nightwing and Wally in the same book, yeah, I'll be getting, I'm definitely getting Titans one. I don't know how I feel about Flash, uh, Paul, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I will probably pick up the first issue of every title that they advertise in this book. Uh-huh. Um, right. So Titans number one, I'll be picking up fucking Wally and, and you know, trying to remind his friends of the pre-Flashpoint universe. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I'll pick that up. Uh, the Flash number one, Barry Allen, you know, perhaps, just, you know, the only one right now who remembers the new pre-New 52. I'll yeah. give the first issue a shot. And, you know, I was not well, going to pick what, up... Go ahead. Ben. I said, well, Paul, one other character remembers the pre-New 52 universe, and you damn well know I'm buying that book, Superman number one. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, Batman, uh, the, the new Batman series, Batman number one, coming out on June 15th, written by Tom King with art by uh, Dave Finch and uh, Michael Jannon. Uh, I was not going to get until I read this book. Because I was like, you know, it's Batman versus uh, the new superhero Gotham, a new quote superhero Gotham. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, we're led to believe that that is the Watchmen character, Silk Spectre and uh, what, Owlman? Night Owl. Owl, Thank you. Um, And I'm down for that. (laughs) And even if it's not, I'm going to give it the first issue and and see, you know. Um, Teen Titans number one, Damian Wayne. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm, I'm going to need to flip through it. That's one I'm going to need to see the artwork on because I'm not familiar with uh, John Boy Myers. His, his style you... is very much what you see in the, the advertisement. Oh, then I, I'm thinking that's probably going to be a no for me. But I think I am down for Green Lantern number one, uh, featuring the all-new Green Lantern, uh, uh, Jessica Cruz. Plus, I believe that that's uh, Simon Baz there on the cover. So yeah. 
I'm down for that. Uh, that's written by uh, Sam Humphreys with art by Robson Rocha and Jack Herbert. And that one's available June 15th as well. You know, I actually really liked some of the – I like Simon Baz as a character, even though I thought his story was kind of um, – I don't even know how to put it when I thought of his story. Not exactly racist, but I don't know. There was just something about it that seemed flat when he, they originally brought him in. Mm-hmm. But I like the character himself. Hmm. So I'm kind of happy to see him come back because I haven't seen him anywhere in a long time. I don't know what they did with him. Yeah, he just kind of disappeared. I mean, I haven't been reading Green Lantern. Um, but I will be picking up Green Arrow number one because I always give <laughs> every Green Arrow rebirth, <laughs> reboot I give a shot because I like Green Arrow as a character. I'm hoping, and with Black Canary in the title, I'm hoping it's good. Um, hope, Paul. Hope. And that's what they're bringing back in the DC universe, hope. <laughs> uh, Aquaman, uh, I'm going to give a shot because... I love Aquaman, and I just hope it's good. You know, well, you just made you just made Thistledown John very happy. <laughs> um, Wonder Woman number one, Greg Rucka and Liam Sharp. Heck yeah, I'm gonna pick I, that pick I, up. I am totally down for that since Greg Rucka's writing it. Uh, I am going to skip Suicide Squad because Suicide Squad has just never been my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but Action Comics number nine fifty seven, featuring uh, the uh, Metropolis's new Man of Steel, Lex Luthor. Uh, I'm 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 pretty interested in written by Dan Jurgens and re and going back to its original numbering. Hell yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty interested in that. And then absolutely Superman number one with uh, featuring the Man and Son of Steel, uh, written by Pete Tomasi uh, and Patrick Gleason with art by Patrick Gleason and frickin' Doug Mankey. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with that no, book. That book's gonna be so many kinds of awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So those so, are the titles that come out in the first two weeks or the first couple of weeks. June 1st, next week, we get Batman, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, Superman. Uh, June 8th, Aquaman, The Flash, and Wonder Woman. And June 15th, we get Titan. Pretty exciting stuff. Pretty exciting stuff. That's what I'm saying. I agree. Yeah. So uh, I hope you all have enjoyed our our special afterbirth edition of uh, Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. Um, we hope to bring you more Afterbirth uh, in the future. God, you're going to make that the show title, aren't you? No, no, it's not happening. <laughs> because you're editing, Paul? Yeah. Tell me you're editing. I'm editing. <laughs> All right, guys, please tell us what you thought of, uh, of Rebirth. Tell us what you thought. Uh, you know, you know, Share with us. Uh, you can do that on the site, ideologyofmadness.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Thanks, guys. Adios. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.